Hi, this is your host, Bernie J of Bernie's Colorado Journeys, your bridge to adventure. There are some names that when said, you know there is importance attached. One of them is Colorado's Pikes Peak, America's 14,115-foot mountain. In 1893, Catherine Lee Bates, an English teacher at Wellesley College in Massachusetts, agreed to take a summer teaching position at Colorado College in Colorado Springs. On taking a trip up Pikes Peak, starting the six-hour ordeal in a horse-drawn carriage and switching to a burrow halfway up the mountain, she was inspired to pen the patriotic poem, America the Beautiful, which was first published in the Congregationalist newspaper, July 4, 1895. The road Ms. Bates took was the Pikes Peak Carriage Road, opened in 1888, but this wasn't the only way up the mountain. On the other side, the laying of track rails on the Cog Road began June 11, 1890, and was completed four months later on October 20th. On June 29, 1891, the first rail car and engine transcended the entire line from Manitou to the top of Pikes Peak. I couldn't learn why she traveled up the carriage road and didn't take the train. The only idea that crosses my mind is that because the tour was a perk, from Colorado College, you take what is offered. Moving forward in time, Fred Barr and his father, starting in 1914, undertook the improvement of a sightseeing trail up the east face of Pikes Peak. Using only rudimentary equipment and burrows, they constructed a trail from the top of the now defunct Manitou Incline Railway all the way to the top of Pikes Peak. Work was completed in December of 1918, and the trail was later named Bar Trail. In 1922, Bar Camp was constructed about halfway up the trail. This rest stop offers weary hikers an overnight stay in a cabin, an A-frame, or a lean-to. Now let's move forward to the 21st century and find out about the mountain's popularity now. Between the Pikes Peak Highway and the Broadmoor Pikes Peak Cog Railway, the 2015 visitation was about 415,000 folks and probably doesn't include all the hikers that work their way up the mountain. Per the website barcamp.com, over 25,000 hikers visit Bar Camp annually, with 2,500 as overnight guests. In this show, we'll peek behind the curtain, apologies to the Wizard of Oz, of what goes on to support the bar trail hikers that challenge themselves and the mountain to say, we did it. But really, this is a story of two former caretakers that did a lifestyle that for the rest of us, we might hardly ever consider. Living on Pikes Peak year round, read winter. Now, let's go to the interview. So I guess if, that we could you know, kind of start the interview. Okay. If I could ask you, um, you two to please introduce yourself and why do you think I brought you in here today? <laughs> but go ahead, please. Yep. Uh, um, Neil Taylor and one of the my, one of the half duo of uh, Neil and Teresa and uh, and I'm Teresa Taylor. We spent uh, eight and a half nine years. Depends on how you how you figure it out, but uh, actually we're still involved with Bar Camp, which is halfway up uh, uh, Bar Trail toward Pikes Peak. 
It's a very, very popular hiking place. So the reason you might have brought us in here today <laughs> was uh, because it's kind of a fascinating place to live for that long. It's a remote cabin and we just, it's people, people, people. And um, oh. and, and people, people, people make fascinating uh, places to be. So Oh, very, very much so that uh, as I... I'll tell tell the listeners that I have uh, that I've interviewed the president of the Adamant Club, and that is how he so he started telling me about how his organization works, and he kept saying the Bar Trail and Bar Camp and this and that, and it kept catching my fancy, and it's like, hmm, this sounds like this might be a pretty neat place. From thirty thousand feet, is there anything else special? Well, yes, there are. There have been year-round caretakers. Now you have my attention. Right. Yeah. And then he, uh, grac- yeah, he he graciously gave me your name. <laughs> <laughs> now whether he yeah. wanted to receive it yeah. or not, I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, but he, but he, but he did that. So that was perfect. Yeah. And, and yeah. with with Adaman and Bar Bar Camp, there's a the historic connector. There is Fred Bar. Um, we, he was one of the original Adaman, the original Frozen Five of the Adaman, but he also constructed Bar Camp and um, the various connecting trails that, that, that he put together to make Bar Trail from, from the top of the incline to the summit. Was At that time, the incline was running and people, that bottom part of the Bar Trail did not exist. That was built later. Um, but he never, a lot of people like to think that he built that trail for hikers, but Fred Barr was an entrepreneur and he built that trail to take people to the summit on Burroughs. Burroughs, okay. So, so I'm going to, I'm certainly going to, I want to dig into, yeah. into, into your life story, okay. but, but tell me, uh, as, as we try to paint the picture, are, are you folks natives of this area? Neil and I are from, Col- uh, from Colorado, from Michigan originally, we're Michigan. high school sweethearts, and uh, Neil, Neil would always throw in when people would ask us that question at bar camp, and then he would say, we're cousins too. And the whole room would get silent, and he would laugh, and everybody would get the joke, because he's the quiet one, supposedly. Well, well see, here, so here's, but here's my thought then, is that I didn't know if I'm talking to a couple of folks that were, number one, Colorado natives, mm-hmm. and maybe even Colorado Springs natives. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, you know, like, so like, did you guys grow up and like bar camp bar trail was was like so second nature to you so you had to learn about this we, so when, when did you first come into the area in a way we moved here in 1989 and and so we have lived here longer than anywhere so we feel pretty 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 grounded here good especially after living there okay but uh we bar camp and bar trail came somewhat second nature to us uh, previous to previous to us being caretakers because we were on it so frequently we were frequent users runners so, like, runners. so there was there was a knowledge of the mountain of bar camp and bar trail and appreciation not just a knowledge of it but we i think we really uh, fell in love with it long before we were caretakers and uh, so let me let, let me mm-hmm. let me let me be, paint try to paint this picture mm-hmm. for listeners mm-hmm. uh, um in Ohio or something. So we're talking about 
the bar trail and that starts in Mantu Springs. Mm -hmm. So when you get to this congested area where the Manitou Cog Railway is, and then there used to be the, this separate organization, the, the Manitou Incline, and then, but the mid, but what, where the Cog Railway went all the way to the top of Pikes Peak, the Manitou Incline did not go to the top of Pikes Peak. Matter of fact, it was there pretty much as a construction vehicle because of the water reservoirs and the piping that came down to the hydroelectric plant. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden somebody said, hey, I bet you somebody would pay a buck for a ride here. There you go. And like the rest is history. Right. So we're talking the Pikes Peak area mm -hmm. and we've got the Cog Railway and the incline and at the top of the incline, Fred Barr started his thing. Mm -hmm. uh, what I if, think if, if you have a summary of that, you know, what I kind of think is fascinating about the the mixture of all the different ways to get to the top of Pikes Peak, the Bar Trail is the newest way of getting there. Okay. The road was there, the Cog Railroad was there, the incline, the borough rides, all that was there, and then then in 1922 was Bar Trail, which is the newest edition of the current ways of getting to the top of Pikes Peak. There were old stage routes that existed, but those aren't currently ways of getting to the top. So I think that, that's kind of neat that the Bar Trail is kind of the newest, the new guy on the block in 1922. All the other current ways of getting to the top existed before Bar Trail. Because as I was uh, looking through the internet just for uh, pictures of the Bar Trail, it looks like it dances right across the top of the highest of you know of you know the lower mountains mm -hmm. as it's working its mm -hmm. way up. Mm -hmm. So one so once you really get onto it, you're kind of like on the high ground, mm -hmm. uh, right. heading heading uh, yeah. to the top. Right. And so Bar Trail is about 13 miles long, depending mm -hmm. where you start. It gains. I should know these numbers off the top of my head. I don't remember how many feet yeah, does it gain. Seven thousand feet of Seven. elevation, or something like that. But it um, and Bar Camp sits about halfway at ten thousand two hundred feet. Fred built Bar Camp simply as an overnight place for his guests that were going to the summit on Burroughs. So he'd pick them up at the top of the incline, take them up to Bar Camp, they'd overnight, get up early, hop on the Burroughs, and start going up so they could see the sunrise above Timberline. And then they'd come back down and stay overnight. Now at that time, in, in the 20s, um, there's the men's dormitory and the women's dormitory. So there were separate cabins at that point in time. At Bar Camp. At Bar Camp. And then there was the big cabin. People think that he lived there, or he was a miner there, or whatever, but he actually built this very large cabin um, with the bunkhouse on it, um, obviously just for overnight guests that were going up to the top. It wasn't ever to be a residence or a place that he lived or he spent time other than with the borough um, trips. Well, are there are there stories of why did the camp end up where it did and why not a mile closer or a mile further up? Is, is it like... It was kind of to, close to a creek there. Kind to of him, it was a logical spot. place. Yeah. I mean, and now, uh, you know, once you go to a place... 
hundred times or what, it seems obvious that that's where it would be picked, <laughs> but you're, you're exactly right. I mean, why did he pick that spot? But I mean, there were other trails that he had built in the area. And I think it was just a convenient place for him to, there was water. Um, he, it was a big enough area that was flat that he could put the structures he needed. Um, um, there were could, other trails just he had built. suppose there's so all it's... sorts of reasons, but uh, that it would be hard to pin that one down. So I, I don't know. Since he was one of the very early people up blazing trails, so there were no other um, um, commercial roads or anything. Because, because what, what's in my mind is, well, wait a minute. Okay, I haven't had the benefit of seeing, seeing the place. But I have seen the pictures, and I see quite a few, you know, heavy timbers and things like that. So is that, was that all locally sourced, do you think? Did he just cut down trees? There's, I doubt it. We doubt it. And I'm not saying that just from me, but uh, there's, there's varying degrees of thoughts on that. But at any rate, he did have access at that time. Both the incline were running and the cog railroad was running, which is a mile and a half away, and he had a lot of mules at his disposal. So if he needed lumber at that time, he could have gotten it. It didn't have to be local, but they're pretty big timbers, you're correct, and it doesn't, and by the photos that we've seen of that, of that time period, it doesn't seem logical that he used local timber for all of it. That was a lot of local, a lot of timber, okay. but, uh, but it's possible. And, Eric would, so how did, did you get recruited or did you volunteer? <laughs> how did you end up this is the being, fun part. You know, being, <laughs> being caretakers at bar camp? We um, were trail users, as Neil said. We used to run up and down the mountain and run trails all over on Pikes Peak. So we got to know Pikes Peak quite well. And we knew about bar camp. We'd stop in and get some water or just talk to the caretakers or talk to people on the deck. And we thought it was just this incredibly cool place. And wouldn't it be great to be caretakers up there? But at the time, we had a business. We had a printing company in Monument. And, you know, we were like, how do two people leave the working world um, and do this? And um, we just never thought the opportunity would come along. Well, somebody got lost in our parking lot in Monument, the print shop, and wanted to buy a print shop. <laughs> they were out here from California. So it's like... We, it's, love, we love it here. Well, and we said, no, we're not ready to sell it. What would, because we're thinking, what would we do? This is what we do for a living. And then about a month, fortunately, we wrote down their phone number. And about a month later, we're like, you know, we should call those people because people don't just fall out of the sky to buy a printing company. Right. So they did. And it was like, well, now what are we going to do? And they happened to be considering leaving bar camp at the time, the caretakers that were there, Stephanie and Greg. But they weren't ready to do it yet. They said, we want to leave in about a year. We want to do another year. This is Bernie J. And you're listening to Bernie's Journeys, produced in Colorado Springs, Colorado, in view of America's mountain, the 14,115-foot Pikes Peak. And I invite you to contact me at BernieSTV at gmail.com. That's B-E-R-N-I-E. STV. And please share comments and or suggestions on this show or ideas for future travel adventures that I can explore for you.
Now, let's get back to the show. So it was the perfect opportunity for us to train up there and start to learn how to run the camp. We had no idea that we were being selected, but pretty soon they were going on vacation and letting us run the camp, and, and then the board approved us, and, and the rest, as they say. And we signed up, it depends on which yeah. one of us you ask, but we uh, signed up for either a year or two years, or, or uh, I don't even think either one of us went so far as to say three years, no way. And we were, I said we'd be there about a year, Teresa thought maybe two years, yeah. and uh, the rest is there's some history there, right? Yeah. We yeah. developed a history and yeah. ended up staying about yeah. eight and a half, nine years. It was eight one of those nine. positions that just, one of the positions, it's hard to even call it a position, one of those things that felt like a glove in every yeah. way, it fit like a glove. All of the experiences we'd had through life just kind of all came into play and were valuable there, and it's a crazy place. I mean, it's off-grid, there's no well... Um, the waters from the stream, um, outdoor toilets, outdoor toilets. No electricity. We didn't even really. think there was a shower when we took the position. We didn't we, even think there was a shower there. We didn't a shower for us around the corner, but yeah. So, so we um, kind of jumped into it with both feet and and um, kind of fell in love with it. It was people would say, um, I remember it's kind of funny when you tell your parents, yeah, we've just sold our business and we're going to go live on the side of a mountain with no, <laughs> no indoor plumbing and no running water. We never even, but, even throughout those years, probably why we fell in love with it so much as we did, because we never really looked at it as a job or as a, this, I mean, it certainly wasn't a career, but it wasn't. <laughs> it got close. But it was a decade. So <laughs> we did just, I don't know, it used every one of our skills that we had ever had in our life to that point, and, and, and it just kind of really ate at our soul in a good way and we just fell in love with it and uh, we just found out wow we don't want to leave yet yeah after it, a few years you know and, we and should we say just, it's an incredible amount of work and it's a huge commitment i mean you you have to all your wood's got to be brought in um to heat through the winter we have wood burning stove um we can't pull up a truck and just dump a pile of wood there it's all got to be cut and then hand carried in for our overnight guests we cook breakfast up to 45 people we cook dinner up to 45 people pike's just peak power pancakes and homemade spaghetti and sauce and, and garlic a, bread and it's a seven day a week gig you know it, it, it just goes and goes and goes so you gotta really love it and there's nobody in town going, gee, I wonder if Neil and Teresa have enough supplies to feed 45 people for three days in a row. So we yeah, also had to come down and get our supplies. Yeah. Share with me, what's the mechanics of doing that? And, and let's start off with the easy mechanics. It's the middle of summer. How, you know, how, how did you move around to be able to do that? Yeah. And, and in these easy mechanics of being in the middle of summer are, are actually a little more complicated because there's so many people up there. Okay. The mechanics of living there in the winter are actually a lot easier. Um, okay. Because you're not getting inundated with uh, so many people. And 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 I know I want to come across it, but we love the people. That's why we were there. I mean, mm-hmm. the people were the good part. But it gets so busy in the summer that being there it gets it makes it difficult to get out to get supplies mm-hmm. so <clears throat> we we would hike down the trail typically me 
Teresa would typically have, one of us has to stay to cook meals and, and handle the guests. And to receive people. So, mm-hmm. so there you go, Neil. Yeah, there we go. First thing in but the morning. But not after, until after breakfast because we've also got to serve pancakes to up to 45 people. people. So that's not, you know, it's it's not a commercial kitchen. And uh, we got really good. We had our systems. He usually did breakfast, cooked the pancakes. And I don't need coffee to get going in the morning. I can start talking to anybody. So I would be pouring coffee and talking to people and serving and just kind of be the entertainment. And he would cook. And then uh, I usually did supper, made the sauce and the bread. Um, but that was kind of our routine. But he would take off right after breakfast. Yeah, um, usually on Thursday morning because when we were there, we were usually doing supplies on uh, Saturday, meaning we were receiving the supplies on Saturday. So we have to back up to Thursday because Thursday we had to go down and pick up the supplies. So that involved me usually running down the trail. Uh, the Cogra Road was, was gracious enough to provide us a parking spot for one vehicle, um, which is super important. In oh, absolutely. Yes, in my talking with the, the, the Cog people, uh, oh yeah, parking is just... It's a nightmare. It's not existing. Yeah. It's just nuts. Right. So, and that's a statement to make somewhere along here is that without the Cog Railroad, Bar Camp wouldn't be what it is. I mean, there, there's no question we couldn't exist without the help of the Bar Cog Railroad. Mm-hmm. So on Thursday, typically I would leave in the morning and go down the trail, get in. We had a pickup, so that was good because I needed it with, <laughs> with a topper that was uh, somewhat rain resistant. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, go to then it was a dance to all the different stores that I needed to go to Sam's Club, King Super, you know, those store. would be grocery stores. Then there's hardware stores. Then there might be specialty stores that we need, you know, certain plumbing, you know, the specialty. So four or five yeah, stores but if, later. So, but if something broke the day you got back, it it would go on the list until. Thursday when you went down. Or you make another trip down. Depending on how important it was. Yeah. If there was something we needed, it would be an immediate trip down mm-hmm. in some cases. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, but it was an all, you know, I mean, at best, a trip down and back is a half a day. And that's That's best. with running. I mean, we're both runners, yeah. so that you would know, be so I mean, something small you could carry and you could run down and then wait, get it and run back up. You're talking running. Mm-hmm. Running. We ran why? Why does that? What? Gosh, that's hard for me to internalize. <laughs> you know, because we walked up, my wife and I, maybe what a quarter of the way up the up the incline, and I said, "Thank you very much. I'm done." Yep, you got it. And you, you guys, because from the top of the incline, it's still a couple more miles. Another three yeah. miles. Now it's we usually didn't do the incline. We would go up the trail. It's not as steep. The switchbacks oh, and it's right shaded. Yeah. I mean, so it's it's okay. further, but it's a little bit. Yeah. And it's less crowded too. The okay, so well, so you have breakfast. You take off. I take get, off. Get in the pickup truck. Make, all, all, make, the make, make all the stops. And then it involved a Neil, good to see you. Glad to see <laughs> you still yeah, alive. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously it didn't take long for people to realize. Oh, 
these are the people that live up yeah. there. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so even like at Sam's Club, they'd start to know us because we'd have two flatbed carts full of supplies. You know, we're making homemade spaghetti sauce, so you're buying the great big cans of tomato product. By the case. By the caseload and just cases of stuff. We would go through in the busiest times between the homemade pancakes and the homemade garlic bread about 25 pounds of flour in two, three days. So okay, because see, we still haven't gotten to the point where this has gotten into my head yet. Okay, you've gotten your body down down <laughs> to the parking right. lot. You've jumped in the pickup truck. You've made all the the stops. You the back of the pickup truck is full. Then now it, what? Now right now, my pickup truck is full, and 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 I have to. I can I take the pickup truck back to the Cogra room and park it there. But I have to ask a volunteer to come meet the morning train for Saturday. And we usually do this on Thursday. Sometimes I could get away with Friday, but it depended. Okay, so my trip down was either Thursday or Friday. Okay. Friday was usually too busy, so I usually had to go Thursday. So Saturday morning... Uh, Even tr- before that, oh, back sorry. you up, you had to offload your perishables to whatever volunteer's house. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're put- right. If, I had vo- if I had perishables, which we always did, uh, I would take those over to a, the volunteer's house. And uh, these were some dear friends of bar camp and, and uh, dear friends of ours that, uh, that would agree to do this. Well, I would barge into their house with all of our bar camp, you know, uh, vegetables and things that would not make it, you know, without refrigeration and, and take up their whole refrigerator for a day or two. Okay. 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 Then, then I would park the pickup truck back at the Cogra Road with the non-perishables that could heat up or to be okay. You right. Know? And so that sat there. And then I went back to bar camp on this Thursday or Friday, Thursday usually. Okay. So I went back up to bar tired, late, and barely making it to help her for dinner. Um, Teresa, so, I'm, yeah, home. I'm home. Hi, honey, I'm home. <laughs> so dinner is at 6 o'clock, and um, we would serve up to 45 people, spaghetti, homemade bread, and depending how many people we had was how early we had to start the cooking. So, but it's not that you're just cooking. You've got people coming that are going to stay overnight. You've got to show them where they're staying. You're, you have just regular hikers going through. Anybody can stop in at bar camp. So you've just got, you know, I, I might see 300 people in the day that he's down in town. Okay. And I'm trying to cook and get dinner ready. And, and then, and we also did search and rescue. And usually those would be the days that something would kick off. We'd have a mission that we'd have to go out on and help them. But, um. Always at dinner time. Okay, so, so remember, so okay, so we've stopped at a pickup truck full of stuff and friend's refrigerator mm-hmm. full of perishables. Right. Okay, what's yep. next? And then, uh, so I go back up to bar camp. <laughs> You're doing fine. You're doing fine. <laughs> and uh, I get back up to bar camp, and, and then on Saturday morning, that was the typical day for us, Was uh, that was going to be our supply day, and that was always a fun, fun day. Now, uh, the volunteer that I talked about would empty her or his refrigerator and uh, take their vehicle with all of our perishables over to the COG. They would already have a key to our pickup truck. They would move the pickup just from the parking lot to the train. Okay. Okay. 
And now we load, she, he would load uh, all of our supplies onto the work train, not the, the passenger train. train. That's the section crew that goes up early in the morning. So, and this okay. is all happening at 7 a.m. in the morning on a Saturday. They, these were very kind volunteers to, <laughs> to get up that early. <laughs> to get up okay. that early, go across town, do, yeah, right. And it's not just so. like 10 pounds worth of stuff. No, no, no. It's, it's a whole pickup load, and they're loading it all onto the train. Now that the train comes up uh, and meets me, I, now I have to go from bar camp on after Saturday morning. After breakfast on Saturday morning. After <laughs> breakfast on Saturday morning. And around, let's say, say nine, 8, 9 o'clock, I need to go meet the train at Mountain View, which is, which is the train's halfway point up to the Pikes Peak. And it's our closest point um, for bar camp to have mechanical access. I hope that you heard something that refreshed a past travel memory or sparked the desire to learn more. After all, that's what travel is all about. For Bernie's Colorado Journeys, your bridge to adventure, this is your host, Bernie Ivershevsky. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again.